I'm Indy Merckx. You listen to The Bicycle Show on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is The Bike Show here on Resonance 104.4 with me, Jack Thurston. And this week's show is rammed to the rafters. Rammed to the rafters, crammed to the rafters with good stuff. And not least from the man sitting here opposite me in the studio, an old and good friend of The Bike Show, Buffalo Bill Chidley, who some years ago handed in his messenger bag in exchange for a bike polo mallet and is here to talk about what's happening in London's Summer of Polo. Welcome to the show, Bill. It's raining. What's going on? <sighs> Summer in London. Uh, it's such an honour to be on the same show as Eddie Merckx. I know he's not really here, but still. <laughs> and it's nice to be back on the bike show as well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you're very welcome. the show this week we're also going to be hearing from steve evans a bicycling paramedic who'll be talking about his own personal crusade to get more cyclists to have a basic understanding of first aid and i think first aid is something that will be very useful for anyone who spends any amount of time playing bicycle polo i didn't mean to discourage anyone from taking up polo just saying Before all of that, let's take a trip down to Look Mum No Hands, London's very best cycle cafe, probably the best cycle cafe in the world, actually. Um, and last week, it was the site of um, a pretty remarkable um, bicycle ride. <laughs> the sound you can hear there is the sound of a spinning wheel, but it's not any old spinning wheel it's a wheel that's been spinning for a long time around about 18 hours i think 17 17 hours hours and it's being powered by james bothorpe and it is on a bike a static bike on some rollers in a shop window on old street james are you completely mad well i uh, i have these ideas and i i think they're good at the time and then i do them and i i've realized perhaps not I've been enjoying it. It's been good. Just tell us what you're doing. Uh, well, <laughs> I guess the simplest way of explaining it is it's a publicity stunt. And what I want to do, I started at 7.30 last night and I'm finishing at 7.30 tonight. And I'm inviting people from 7 to come and cheer me on for the last bit. And basically I just want to trap them in the room and then I'm going to talk to them for 20 minutes if I can. Um, about the fundraising and cycling plans I've got for the next year. So anyone thinking they're coming to just hear stories is in for a shock. 
So 24 hours on a bicycle, have you done that before? On, on a bicycle that's moving? No, the, the longest day I've done before, I think, was about uh, 20, 19 hours. And that was on my round-the-world trip. And I only managed, I think, 180 miles on that. And obviously very different conditions, carrying all your things and being on an actual road and having to find food. Uh, but this has been brilliant. My target was 480 kilometers for the 28, 24 hours, and I'm five kilometers off that now, and I've got ages to go. So this has been—it's been really fun. So the rig's been set up here by—it's um, by Roller Palooza. They've put it together yeah. for you, haven't they? And, and you've got so as well as the the rollers there. Um, you've got a little, what looks like a lectern here, yeah. uh, where you've got uh, some soup, um, what looks like a bacon sandwich, yeah. some um, almonds, and some some drinks. Yeah, and a little stopwatch, backup stopwatch, uh, my music, which is crucial, and uh, yeah, what else have I got? They had to specially adapt the rig so it would last for 24 hours, because normally they're races are 500 meter sprints but it seems to be working so far so what's been the hardest bit what's been the moment where you most wanted to just get off and and say this is ridiculous I don't need an audience that badly that I have to do this well at 6 this morning I I didn't have a I didn't have a sugar crash but I I was really tired and uh, sort of sleepy tired I just felt miserable I was listening to Radio 4, which is probably not a good idea. Um, so a friend of mine that was with me overnight, John McFall, he um, said, why don't you just put your own music on again? And I did that, and off I went. So it's good to have people around me, because I was slightly losing my mind, but they can see what I need. So I've got Lewin behind the counter, sort of looking at his watch and saying, oh, he might need a sandwich now, and coming over and... So it's good to have all these people around. Because long-distance cyclists are a strange breed, and many accounts of long-distance cycling exploits often veer into the world of the the subconscious, the supernatural, the imagined, the deranged. I mean, I'm thinking of uh, people doing the Paris Press Paris, the Race Across America. Yeah. Um, I think it was Eileen Sheridan doing some long-distance riding where she was up in the north of Scotland and she was hallucinating all kinds of stuff and that was back in the 1950s okay had any of, had any of that had any any strange uh, strange hallucinations there was a couple of times um, about four o'clock this morning I thought those bags over there were Elton uh, not Elton John John Lennon but they, they're definitely not and perhaps the worst thing for anyone who's spent any time riding on a static bicycle is the fact you don't get any breeze from the wind. So yeah. you are pouring with sweat um, yeah. as, as we speak now. Yeah. And it, does that just feel like you're in a sauna, a sort of stifling, horrible heat? How, is that not addling your brain in a special kind of way? Um, no, I got used to sweating going through Southeast Asia and across India. And I used to really hate sweating and I, I sweat really easily. So I kind of got over that now, and I just use it as a measure of how much water I need to drink. So I was going to have a fan, but I thought that would evaporate the sweat too quickly, and I would maybe dry out without actually knowing it, because you feel cool, but in actual fact, you're just the sweat is uh, what's the word transpiring, 
or is that uh, plants? Um, it's evaporating quicker than you realise. So I like to feel the sweat because then I know how much is going out. And have you recorded how much fluid you've taken on? Um, I'm sure we could count the the empties and then several tap water loads of no I basically no I'm, I'm winging this like I do everything well the very best of luck you've got um, a few hours to go yet and um, hope you're in a good state for your talk yeah me too um, I'm going to maybe set up an armchair somewhere and I'm going to show some things and uh, a lot of people are saying you know why are you doing this why are you doing this is it for charity? And no, this isn't. I'm not asking people to make donations now. But I'm looking to uh, do a lot of things over the next year, and I'm sort of this is sort of reaching out, looking for people to help me. And what, what are you looking to do? What sort of help do you need? Well, I want to do the Ram in a year's time. That's the race across America. Yeah. As a solo rider. As a solo so rider. The real, the real way, not as a team, not as a not as a lightweight team. I think it's hard, however you do it, but. Um, I mean, these things are quite expensive, and I'm trying to raise money, not lose money, so... Well, I do, on the radio show, get a lot of um, requests for people to publicise their charity events, and I invariably tell them no, because I think that cycling is an innately pleasurable thing, and people yeah. want to be sponsored to cycle from London to Brighton. I think that's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Give money to charity and ride your bike. Don't join the two things together. Yeah. I'm with the late, great Sheldon Brown on that. But I have to say, if people are doing something genuinely freakish and bizarre and difficult <laughs> I'm prepared to give them uh, the endorsement of the bike show and this is suitably freakish right. and difficult yeah. to get the endorsement who are you raising money for um, in the long run um, for, the, for the, uh, the other rides it's, it's always been a charity called What's Driving Parkinson's uh, I volunteer for them they're based at King's College Hospital and uh, they've got some groundbreaking research I know everyone says that but this is true and uh, it's not properly funded and hasn't been for a long time so that was, that was the reason for the Around the World and uh, we raised a lot off the back of that but test tubes are very expensive so yeah, there's more cycling to be done well, that was James Bothorpe and plenty more cycling for him to do I hope he takes a little bit of time to recover from that endeavour now I don't know if it's just my bad luck but in the past three or four years I've been witness to a handful of nasty crashes while I've been out riding. And I'm not talking about cyclists being run over by lorries, which is something that we do talk about on the show quite a lot. I'm talking about the kind of crash that can happen on a quiet country lane. And it was, in fact, while I was cycle touring in New England two summers ago that I took a tumble and ended up in the back of an ambulance on my way to hospital. Um, and I've also witnessed um, in sportives people um, out on the deck, blood all over the place. And... Um, you know, you wonder what you should do at that moment. And, um, and it, I was alone when I had my crash um, and there was a helpful passers-by who was able to call the ambulance. Um, but if I had been with a friend, would he or she have known what to do? And that's the question that's being asked by um, next guest on the show, paramedic Steve Evans, who should be on the line now. Steve, are you there? I am, Jack. Thank you. Great. Well, welcome to the bike show. Thank you for having me. Now, you're one of those heroic breed of people, and by which I mean paramedics, that is first to arrive on the scene of crashes. Yes, I have done for the, the last 39 years. And tell me, um, what are the most common injuries 
uh, in, that afflict uh, cyclists? Because you're also um, a, a cyclist with, um, is it Liverpool Road Club up there? Or? Uh, Liverpool Century uh, Road Club, yes. Uh, well, the, the vast majority uh, tend to be cyclists trying to defend themselves where they stick their hand out uh, to save themselves before they hit the floor. Um, so you get broken wrists, broken forearms, and of course the um, bane of all cyclists, the fractured collarbone. Uh, and of course there's road rash as well. Uh, but the way I look at it as a cyclist, the benefits of cycling far outweigh the dangers involved. Uh, but because most people don't know a great deal about first aid, then um, they need to do something before I arrive or my mates do. Yeah, because once you're there, then you kind of breathe that sigh of relief and you think, well, the professionals are in charge now. And there's something about paramedics. I've you know, been in your care myself a couple of times and have had friends who've been um, cared for by um, paramedics in ambulances. And I have to take my hat off to you guys because what you do is so intense. At least it looks intense from the outside. I guess you must get used to it. But you are the people who basically, you know, out there saving lives and, and, and getting people, you know, in a state that they can be treated and, and can make a recovery. But what is it that people should be doing before you get on the scene? Well, um, the thing being is that we don't have an ambulance on the end of every street corner. And uh, the line uh, we generally take in the ambulance service is if we can't save you, the hospital can't. And uh, we need to take people in alive uh, to give them the chance of fixing them. And um, for me, it's about not moving anybody because of the dangers of spinal injury and neck injury. And the simple action of doing a bit of first aid and tilting somebody's head back because they've seen that on a first aid course is not the way forward for the cyclist who's crashed into the back of a car, head down, time trialing or whatever. Um, because of the, the weight of the head, which is the weight of a 10-pin bowling ball, plus the weight of a helmet, which is only light, um, but on top of seven small bones, um, there's the potential of, uh, of serious neck injury. You know, the worst case scenario, you could kill somebody, but um, you could put somebody in a wheelchair. Um, and by simply just holding the head, um, and if they're breathing, holding the head and not moving them, um, even though the traffic might be beeping the horn at you. And the other thing is that um, as cyclists, we all know uh, red blood cells carry oxygen. And uh, for us, it needs to carry oxygen to the brain. And um, if it's lying all over the tarmac, it can't carry oxygen to the brain. And after uh, two or three minutes with a severe bleed, somebody would be empty of blood. And so it's really, really important to actually um, put some sort of pressure on any bleeding wound. And um, it's my favorite saying in the ambulance service, because I train paramedics these days, is keep the red stuff in. Um, because we can turn up with our fancy ambulance, £100,000 mobile trauma unit, but the fluids that we give don't carry oxygen. Um, and so we need the patient to keep their own uh, blood inside their body. And so simple actions of holding head, stopping the blood leaving the body, um, it is, it's real basic stuff, but it's really important. And how about making the scene itself safe? You know, you're on a road. You, you, as you said, you don't want to move the person who's yeah. been injured. Um, and so how do you make sure that, you know, you well, don't add to the injuries by someone else getting run, run down? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you've got to see where you are. Um, 
blind corners, you need to send somebody back around the bend to wave the traffic down. Uh, you need to make yourself really obvious. Obviously, we don't want people to get injured as well trying to save somebody. Um, but it's sort of, think of yourself as a car driver, which most cyclists are anyway, um, and think of how you would be approaching the scene, you know, and it's about putting some distance between the accident uh, and the person waving uh, the traffic down to stop them um, careering into whoever's doing the first aid in the first place. Bill, um, you're in the studio here. Anything to ask to Steve? I mean, well, you must have some experience with this all your years well, on I was the London streets. I was interested to hear the, the number one thing that Steve said. Hi, Steve. This is Bill. Hello there. Uh, hi. Uh, the number one thing that Steve said was not to move the casualty. And, um, I mean, I, I haven't had any really big offs, you know, with, you know, severe trauma. But, you know, I, I've come off and not really wanted to get up again. And when it's happened in um, the London streets, the first thing that people want to do is get you off the road. <laughs> um, so I was really interested to hear to hear Steve say, don't move the, the casualty. Because it, when I've seen... When I've come off and when I've seen people come off, that's, that's what bystanders want to do. They want to get you out of the road, they, generally. They do. I mean, we, we actually have it where uh, a friend of mine uh, was ministering to the sick um, and somebody just drove through the road traffic um, accident and he had his blue lights on the ambulance and the, the person broke both his legs. So, you know, people will actually... It's like they've got a, a really important hairdressing appointment at the other side of the accident. Um, but we, we have to... Be assertive, I think, is the word to use, um, because when I train um, people in factories to do first aid, we always send in interfering mates who goes, oh, he doesn't look very comfortable, shall we move them? And it's how they actually um, handle a situation. Um, you know, there's no point in getting into a fight, but, you know, there's only one go. And we've only got to look at Superman, uh, Christopher Reeve, all the money he had. He never managed to rebuild his uh, spinal cord. So there's a certain amount you can do at the scene, and you've prepared, Steve, a, uh, a guide that's in the form of um, a da freely downloadable kind of... It's a PowerPoint presentation, but you don't have to have PowerPoint to open it up. It's just like a PDF file. I, I thought that was quite technical and a lot to remember in there. Um, is, is there anything that you want to convey now and then we'll talk about what it is that people do to go and become properly qualified for first aid? Yeah, no problem. Um, the thing being is that um, if somebody falls off a bike, they will be in shock, i.e. pale and clammy, because of the accident. But because alongside major bones run major blood vessels, and so you can break a collarbone and the, the blood vessel gets torn and bleeds into your lungs, after 10 minutes, if this person is pale, cold, clammy and sweaty, starting to feel faint, rapid breathing, and if you can take a pulse, rapid pulse, that is not the shock of the accident. That is somebody who is going into shock uh, and they're going to be in real problems. So for me, it's about not moving somebody, keeping the red stuff in, and if somebody is not improving rapidly, uh, 10 minutes down the line, they're getting worse, you need to phone an ambulance. And um, they, they, it's just those simple actions, you know. Um, people do make first aid incredibly complicated. Uh, what I've tried to do is just pick out the bits that are totally relevant to the cyclist within the PowerPoint, um, rather than going into slings and all the rest of it, which, you know, nice to have, but they don't save lives. 
So if people want to go and get themselves trained, maybe they're um, involved in a cycling club or um, are leading rides and feel like it's something they ought to know, how do you go and get a first aid qualification that will be useful? Right, yeah. Um, I mean, you, you, you've just all you've got to do is actually Google um, cycling first aid course, um, and I've seen the, the, there's a London first aid company that do it, and there, there are mountain bike companies, and I think Cycling Active um, all do leader courses, which will have a cycling-specific um, element to their first aid. Uh, my thing is that not, most people are not ride leaders, and if you're out with your group of mates, uh, maybe mountain biking, BMXing, or whatever, you may not have a leader there. So it's better to have some information out there. Um, but it doesn't replace in any way, shape, or form the, the stuff that I've done. doesn't replace a proper course with hands-on uh, practical experience. I and mean, how long would that course take, and what would it cost, roughly? Uh, uh, from what I can gather, it's 60 or £70, pound, and it's a day. Right, so that's well worth spending it because you've got oh, that yeah. for, your, for, for the rest of your life. All right, well, Steve Evans, thanks very much. We'll put a link to um, your resources, which are hosted at the excellent Rough Stuff Fellowship. And thanks for joining us. Thanks for the opportunity, Jack. All right, cheerio. Thank if Steve has made us all feel a little bit queasy about cycling, Bill, um, you're going to tell us how great it is to ride a bike around at high speed while wielding a mallet and trying to whack a solid ball into a goal. But before you do so, um, let's have a listen to the new sounds of summer in London. This is the sound that is fast replacing the thwack of uh, willow on leather. Three, two, one, <laughs> Well, that was uh, Polo. Um, how's the game going? Because it's been it's, it's been going for how long? A few years now in, the, in its recent reincarnation in in London. In London, uh, so what? Fourth year, I suppose. Uh, the London League's just finished its third season. Um, uh, we had the European Championships in London in two thousand and nine. We're on our third one. Uh, which is Barcelona next this week, actually, I should say. Sorry, I'm a bit confused because I've been working nights. So, yeah, I'm off to Barcelona for the championships on Wednesday with my team, uh, Degeneration. Um, we've got a lot more people playing than we had. I think even you came down two years ago, I think, didn't you? Yeah, and I see, I, I, I've yeah, seen, you, about, um, seen you down at Newington yeah. as well. I mean, what I noticed was that the game had moved on technically uh, and in speed-wise. Well, yeah, there's, the, there's the number of people playing uh, has exploded i mean london is now the biggest polo scene in the world and we hope to sort of translate that into um a win in barcelona but you know if we don't it's not a big deal because we'll still be the biggest crew but yeah that that's one thing and the other thing that's happened is i think when you were watching it it was sort of well when it first started it was like break breakless fixie skitters yeah, it was a bit. It was quite. It was quite sort of genteel and tentative. Yeah. And then the, the next time I went down, you know, everyone was just barreling up and down. Yeah. There was a lot of precision. Yeah, it's free. Um, you know, everyone's really, really fast. Yeah, that, that's that's a function of people first of all starting to use brakes, and then also people have started to go freewheel. So, like my bike now, where it was like uh, front brake fixed, now it's two brakes freewheel, 
and the speed has gone up. The speed has really, really gone up. So people are playing fast and tactics have developed because before it used to be like you lose the ball, you get the ball, you go for the goal, whereas now it's like you, you lose the ball, you get the ball, you look for a teammate to pass to and then you kind of try and manoeuvre the team around so you can get the, the three-on-two tactical opportunity. So there's tactics now. Um, there's sponsorship. Um, look, Ma, look, look, Mum, no hands sponsor a bike polo team called um, Spring Break. It's a shame they didn't sponsor a better polo team because no, that's not true, actually. They're, they're one of the best. But um, Who is your sponsor? Our sponsor is Swerve. They've been very, very, very kind to us. The, 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 that's the brand that has no vowels, isn't it? That's the one, yeah. yeah. No, they've got an E on the end. They've got an e so the, yeah, they've got an E on the end. <laughs> Not enough vowels, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, a- yeah, there's sponsorship. And, um, I mean, like, next month, I mean, the, the, the tournament scene in the UK has exploded. So, like, next month, Barcelona this week, next month, first, first weekend in July, Sheffield National Series. Uh, then it's the National Championships, which are in Edinburgh. So it's a national scene, not just a London national, scene. National series, yeah. There, there's been a, a national series event in Brighton, the first one of the, the season. Uh, then there's the UK Chance, which is a national series event as well, uh, in the middle of the month. And then at the end of the month, there's the London Open, uh, which is taking place on Hackney Downs over two days. Uh, that's the second London Open. So it's that's a good place to go to watch people yep. who are really, really good. Yeah, and it's a good place to go if you just want to uh, play as well. So there'll be a place for people who are beginners. Yeah, I, I, they, I, I believe so. There was a not very successful because of the weather uh, event um, just at the weekends at uh, Hackney Downs, which was specifically for beginners called Riding in Circles. Because that's what you do when you play bike running. Riding and we had Steve, the paramedic, on yeah. the... On the on the phone there, is it dangerous, Paul? I mean, it must uh, be. It looks dangerous. It, you wear a helmet, in eye mask, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing that you're, it's not. I, I think when you're playing with experienced players, the big risk is really getting something in the face, like a ball or a mallet, which is why why I started wearing a helmet and, and eyeglasses. I didn't. I mean, some guys have started wearing like. Uh, ice hockey things, and I, you know, the worst injuries I've seen in terms of blood. I mean, I was kind of. I was amused to hear him say, keep, keep the red stuff in. Because... Well, that's obviously what they want to do. That's what <laughs> yeah. Levi Lightpime is doing very effectively. <laughs> yeah, keep the red stuff in. Um, when you get a, a mallet to the face, even if it's just a little nick, it's not, you know, it's not like a serious blow. You're not, the amount of blood is just incredible, incredible. So. And so is there, um, you know, it's not about the bike, but sometimes it is about the bike. Is there a sort of polo bike design that's evolved now? Well, there are purpose-built. I mean, that's, that's what are they thing. like. What are they like? Tight, really, really tight wheelbase. Uh, people going for. I mean, the, the, uh, one of the guys off Spring Breaks just built his own polo bike, and he's a big, big guy. It's a big frame, and he's got twenty-six inch wheels. They're really close together. It looks absolutely. And what kind of tires? Ridiculous. Big fat tires or so, skinny uh, they're ones? Running like thirty-twos, thirty-sevens. I mean, I, I still ride like twenty-threes because like fat tires are for kids. <laughs> and what sort of gearing? <laughs> Um, I'm not sure. I'm not really good on the numbers. I think I'm running... But like one-to-one one or... A... No, no, I'm running 26.18. I don't know. What, what is that in gear inches? I don't know. What is the development on that? I have no idea, but Call it's Sheldon teeny. Brown. Call the spirit of Sheldon Brown. Brown. But yeah, it's, it's, it's... Yeah, you spinning. can always see... I mean, if, if you don't notice a bike polo player who's just coming back from a game, um, 
because of their their mallet. Um, you will notice because of the spinning yeah, they're that they're spinning. doing. They, they'll yeah. spin like crazy and then freewheel. Spin yeah. like crazy. Then. And my girlfriend likes to laugh at me. When I'm, well, she likes to laugh at me anyway, but particularly when I'm on my Getting polo some bike. good cadence. Yeah. And is it true that bike polo, the name, is no more and it's going to become extreme urban bike hammerball? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, there was a big. There was, there's been a big debate. Yeah, there's, is there's that because kind of, of the royal wedding? There is, there, there is a schism coming up. There is a schism coming up. Yeah, over over naming because there's like proper bike polo, which is what Prince Philip plays, and then there's what we play, which is extreme urban bike hammer. All right. Well, we're up to the hour. <laughs> Get down to the London Open. Thanks very much for uh, coming on the show, Bill. It's a pleasure as always, Jack. You've been listening to The Bike Show here on Resonance 104.4 FM. Next up is One Life Left. 